And now, on the season finale of Entertainment Beyond. This is the Entertainment Beyond podcast with your host, Jensen Dean Jackson and Alan Weinstein, bringing you all things relevant in pop culture and entertainment. We will be with you weekly, at least, talking about movies, politics, music, and all things in between. So check us out. See you next week. Same bad time, same bad station. How's it going? It's going. How about yourself? Doing all right. Finally getting some nice weather out here. That's about, yes, it's about time. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit well past time. If you live in Portland, Oregon, or, or the state of Oregon, yeah, it's a little. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the season finale of Entertainment Beyond. As always, I'm one of your guest hosts. Jensen, the beautiful, majestic motherfucking Dean Jackson, joined by Mr. Entertainment Beyond. And today we are going to do some spoiler talk about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. But I also wanted to get your opinion, Alan, if you even finished the damn movie on Spencer. No, I have not. <laughs> Why? What is wrong with you? I don't care about Princess Diana, and I don't like Kristen Neither Stewart. do I, but Kristen Stewart, I almost said Kristen Dunst, Kristen Stewart does a pretty damn good job. I'm not care. saying watch it for the fucking creepy royals. Watch it for her performance. I will. I'll finish it, I promise. That's a promise made to be broken. You know, my <laughs> father once promised that he'd be back after a pack of cigarettes, and look at where I'm at now. They were good cigarettes. What do you want? <laughs> I think the bread was really what he was, you know, after. I think he had to go somewhere in France to get the bread. And uh, uh, that's right. I went to but France to get French bread. Yeah, French bread. You know how the French like to take their breaks, you know, so could could take another ten years. <laughs> All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be was a spoiler talk about Doctor Strange and the multiverse uh, and, and a couple of verses of madness. And we'll have some news because some things did uh, crack off, as the youngsters used to say, I suppose. I don't think kids are saying <laughs> that anymore. Yeah. So, Alan, you know how this goes. <laughs> I do. Actually, when did you see the movie? I think I saw it again after you. Uh, I saw it uh, about a week and a half ago. Yeah, I saw it last weekend. Yeah. So I think you've seen it since I've seen it. I have. We don't have to go beat by beat. We can talk about, you know, I mean, the movie starts out, you get Ponytail, Doctor Stranger, Defender Strange, and America Chavez being chased by a mummy monster thingy. Uh, essentially, a little fight breaks down. Your defender Strange tries to steal her powers, and they both get transported to what is known in the comic books and now in the movies as the Six One Six universe, where 
our Doctor Strange is uh, hanging around. And as I said in the non-spoilery review, Alan, I never really cared for this character until he showed up in Avengers Endgame. I'm not... I was a fan of the 90s cartoon, you know, but I'm I'm more of a fan of Doctor Strange uh, when he appears in other people's movies. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, I mean, I always felt like Doctor Strange. You know, if you're if you're a comic book reader, I think I think Doctor Strange was always kind of the one that was kind of a little on the outside. Um, I don't think his comic books, his comic book runs like his actual solo comic books were ever as popular as a lot of the other Avengers. You mean um, you have a thrill uh, watching, uh, reading about Doctor Strange finding the Eye of Agamotto? That's a joke. <laughs> you weren't thrilled um, I mean, by the master of mystical arts? Don't get me wrong. I, I think that some of the art in Doctor Strange in the comic books was was phenomenal. And I, my dad was just, I was just talking to my dad about this the other day because I told him I saw the movie. Um, and he he knows the he knows the guy that you know the, he remembers the guy that first drew the name of the guy that first Jack drew him or whatever. I don't know that it was Jack Kirby. I feel like it was another name he mentioned, but maybe it was. I don't know. Um, who did a lot of the art for Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange? The art in Doctor Strange the comic book was great. But yeah, I mean the stories were always kind of complex and weird, and the way that they always the way he uses his magic and the magic that he uses is kind of. I don't know. It's not always mystical easy to follow. It's not magic. It's mystical arts. I apologize. The mystical arts. Um, the comic books were not always easy to follow, and I don't. And as a result, I don't think they were always the most popular. I, you know, he's definitely not the most popular Avenger for sure. Um, I consider him a, definitely a peripheral character. I do think that um, if we're going to talk about the second Doctor Strange, we should probably kind of compare it to the first Doctor Strange. Well, I, I thought it was better. like the first Doctor Strange. You know, in fact, I, I took my roommate to see the Doctor Strange too because she hadn't seen it. And I told her this is the first time that I went back to the theater to watch a Doctor Strange movie. Again, I was not in love with the first Doctor Strange. You know, it's right up there, in my opinion, with Thor 2. And I think one other Marvel movie in terms of being a bad Marvel movie, I just I, I didn't like it. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call the first one bad. I just, I mean, for me, I didn't think it was bad. I just didn't think it was on par. I mean, it's definitely not on par with the better Marvel stuff or Avengers stuff, you know. Um, and I think that it suffers because I think most people don't really care about Dr. Strange. I think a lot of people had heard the name but aren't super familiar and don't ultimately care. Now, that being said, I do think this one's better than the first one. Uh, I think I it's barely the, better. I, thought the sec, I, thought, I think the second one, the storyline is a little bit easier to follow than the first one. Not easier to follow, but I liked it better, I guess, than the first one. Um, and you know, all that being said, Benedict Cumberbatch is a really good actor. I mean, I always enjoy him, so I think he's good in this role. I, uh, you know, I've I, I've always felt like um, Stephen Strange, the non, even well, I, Stephen Strange is kind of a poor knockoff of Tony Stark in, in a lot of respects. Like he's kind of a rich, cocky. You know, guy that nobody he likes. Was rich. Oh, you're talking about the first one. 
just in general, just in general, the character of Stephen Strange, I think, is kind of a he's kind of a wish version of Tony Stark. You know, he's this he's kind of this you know rich guy that's cocky, that's you know um, always tries to have witty one liners, is kind of you know smug about stuff, doesn't take things too seriously. You know, kind of a pretty boy philanderer a little bit. Not to the extent of Tony Stark, but that's what I mean. It's like a, it's like a wish version, so <clears throat> of Tony Stark. So I mean, I, you know, I think his character isn't overly original. Um, it, like his personality, as far as you know, Doctor Strange, Stephen Strange, um, and so I don't know. I mean, I just, I just think he's one of those guys that people just don't care all that much about. That being said, again, this movie was better than the first one, and I enjoyed it. I mean, I thought it was good. I thought it was decent. I enjoyed it more the first time than I went back the second time to, you know, pick it apart, see what's on the inside. Um, the one thing that this movie does suffer from, because I don't think, I think you, like a lot of people, did not finish WandaVision. And as I said in podcast previously, there is some... Rec- we are now in the the deep the deep guts of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're getting to places like uh like I told my roommate, like they're getting so out there with characters. I didn't even know who Charlie Theron was playing. Like I don't know who Clea is from comic books. So now they're getting past the shit that I know. But there is required reading, so to speak. And if you didn't watch WandaVision, you have no idea why. You know, because the last time you see Wanda if you hadn't watched that TV show, then the last knowledge you have of her is her losing vision and being really mad about that in Infinity War, you know? And so, right. and plus it's, because, uh, you know, they had played it up in the trailers like Wanda wasn't the bad guy, there was some other bad guy. And then within like the first 10 or 15 minutes, you find out that Wanda is a bad guy. And it doesn't, yeah. for me, her convictions going after they don't hold as much weight the second time around second viewing like her whole character arc doesn't hold it it feels like something is missing with her going to the dark side as they say i I I agree and and i know that you know i you probably don't know but you know me being behind the scenes oddly enough the guy who doesn't call himself mr entertainment beyond is going beyond conventional entertainment but the original Doctor Strange uh, director Scott Derrickson fell out with Marvel over the horror elements or lack therefore of so he went to go direct uh, the Black Phone which is coming out and because of that they had to scramble to get a new director so they found Sam Raimi and uh, I will say that visually I haven't found a movie that's been that that's been more of a director's movie visually since uh, Thor Ragnarok by Taika Waititi, because you know you, all the other Marvel movies almost don't have the director's flair, if, if that makes any sense. You know, some directors are just hired guns, and then you get other directors like Raimi, Taika Waititi, the Russos. And to a degree, John Favreau, and they have their own. Their own. so I haven't found a movie that like that one shot where 
<clears throat> they kill off the the fucking octopus monster by stabbing him in the eye with a with a light post, and then the eye, like that's total Raimi right there. The 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 octopus vision where you see things from the POV of the octopus that's Raimi, you know. And so in terms of that, I liked it because Sam Raimi. While he's capable of doing, you know, scary horse shit like Evil Dead, he also does fun horse shit like Drag Me to Hell, which has fun bits in it like a goat calling a woman a bitch, but it's a goat, so you know it's you bitch. It's it was funny. He he knows how to scaring you and then making you laugh and being a tiny bit scared. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a I, I'm I'm semi familiar with Sam Raimi. You know, I'm not. Um, overly, I know Mr. Entertainment Beyond should be far more versed in, like, you know, knowing the eccentricities of a lot of these directors. I mean, obviously, I can kind of tell, you know, I can generally tell a Quentin Tarantino film from somebody else's film or a, a Michael Bay film, you know, because we've got tons of explosions with bad dialogue and bad character development. But, you know, short of that, like, I have a hard time. So, I mean, there wasn't necessarily anything in here that I thought caught my I as being, but I, you know, I'm not a huge horror fan, so I don't, I, I probably haven't seen a whole lot of Sam Raimi. I thought, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Sam Raimi do one of the, one or two of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man? Did all three of them. He Man, did all three of them. So, okay, so, we- so I am somewhat familiar with at least those, you know, of Sam Raimi, and I, I always liked those. Than somewhat familiar. And nothing in this movie caught your eye. You didn't like that fight using Music from Beethoven, I think it was Beethoven. Oh, I did. I liked it. I did. I guess I just am not familiar enough with Sam Raimi to say, oh, yeah, that's a Sam Raimi, like, you know, touch. Or that's a, you know, I guess I'm just not that versed with him to know that that's... I didn't realize it was a Sam Raimi movie until it ended and I saw the credits, honestly. Um, so that shows, that shows tisk, you how... Tisk, you know, tisk, how Mr. Entertainment Beyond. Tisk, tisk, tisk. <laughs> How little I actually paid to the, you know, to the little flares or or Easter eggs that that these directors give us, so that we know that it's them. Um, but you know, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I I thought that there were some definitely some some good shots. Um, I, you know, I thought that it, it shot well from a visual perspective. Um, you know, you could do a lot with Stephen Strange in general because of the mystical stuff, so you could get kind of out there. Um, and do things that you might not be able to do with some other of the superheroes that are a little more kind of, you know, um, strapped yeah. to reality, I guess, or grounded in reality. Um, so that's kind of cool. And at the same time, I think that <clears throat> people like Stephen Strange or characters like Doctor Strange, where they get kind of out there and, and it's hard to follow. I think that stuff is easier in comic books. I think it's easier to to, to display the, the magical world of Stephen Strange in a comic book than it is to try to put it into real life action. So I think there's a little bit of disconnect there and I think that it loses a little bit of its whatever um, <clears throat> you know, in live action. Um but yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I like Wanda. I like the Scarlet Witch. I did finish WandaVision. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm up to date on that. Um, I, I thought that because it was Wanda and because we're, you know, deep in the multiverse, it feels a little more connected, I thought, to 
the Marvel Universe than I felt the first Doctor Strange was. The first Doctor Strange kind of felt like it was out there. This one feels a little more connected to the Marvel Universe, um, at least in my opinion. <clears throat> so I thought that was good. Um, Though the actress that plays Wanda always does a great job. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I, you know, I think that you already had Wanda trying to um, save Vision and, uh, you know, preserve her, what she wanted, you know, what she saw in her, you know, what she wanted for her life in WandaVision. And then you kind of see the same motivation again here. So I guess it's a little bit redundant. And, you know, her, so her motivation is that she wants her kids this time. And not vision. It was a little right. odd too that she didn't try to look for a universe that would have had, you know, right. and kids. That was a little. But then she yeah. was under the power of the dark hold. The dark hold had taken a hold of her. And speaking right. I mean, you can tell, hold, the, ladies you and gentlemen. Touch. Speaking. Sorry to cut you off, Alan. Speaking of taking hold, very is taken hold and created a new spin drift flavor, blood orange. Tangerine. And for anybody who knows me, they know that I am one of the biggest fans of the pineapple flavor. But there is a new king but orange tangerine spindrift, sparkling water, and real squeezed fruit. Yep, that sure the fuck is it. And if you know anything, you know. Gotta go in. Sip. Without listening to some bald asshole loudly sip a drink. <sighs> yep, that's it. Rain. The unofficial sponsor of today's episode. Well, there you have it, the unofficial sponsor. Sorry to rudely cut you off in the middle, Alan. That's okay. We need to take a second for the unofficial sponsor. Got to pay the bills around here. <laughs> With an unofficial sponsor. How you With an unofficial them? sponsor. Who knows? And no money from them. Um, no money at all. The bills are just no getting... No money at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah, you know, I mean... I'm not, I don't know. I don't... I don't... I felt like that... Uh... But then again, you know, this is with Sam Raimi coming in in like the 11th hour and there have already been a script written. So him and the co-script writer wrote one from the ground up. So, you know, with their backs against the walls and it's forgiven. It's not Sam Raimi's fault. He came into production very late. Do you feel there are some, uh, some, I don't know what the word is. It just falls short story-wise a little bit for me. And the motivations and knowing what she liked in WandaVision and that, you know, it just seems odd. You know, she she was in love with Vision. She talks about that, but then she doesn't try to go to a universe where he could have potentially not get his gotten his head blown off. Right. Yeah, I mean, you can tell that there's something going on with her. She's not... I mean, obviously, there's been something going on with her since WandaVision, you know, since uh, since Vision, you know, gets killed, ultimately, I guess. But um, this, yeah, it's got to be the Darkhold. I mean, she's definitely not even the Wanda from WandaVision, which was a disturbed Wanda. She's much past that. She's much darker and much more, um, 
willing to do what she has to do to get what she wants, you know, and this, then, I mean, then I felt that she was in WandaVision. This is much more of a, definitely a villainous uh, <clears throat> Scarlet Witch, whereas WandaVision, she was just kind of like hurting and depressed. Like, this is an angry Wanda. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I, again, I, I liked the movie. I, you know, I like Wanda. I thought that the story was pretty good. I like the stuff with the multiverse. You know, I, I, some of it can be hard to follow, but for the most part, I like it. Um, I, you know, I think it's, <clears throat> I loved at the end, and I'm jumping ahead, but I loved at the end where they gave him the third eye. That was one of the things in the comic book that I thought was always, that I remember being relevant in the comic book that you don't see in the movie until then. Um, so I kind of liked that <clears throat> because he always had that third eye and ability to see into the multiverse in the comic books, at least as I remember. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it, it leaves the room, it leaves the door open for more movies. I'm sure there'll be another Doctor Strange movie. I don't know that it's necessary, but I'm sure there will be. I still feel like the best character in the doc in both Doctor Strange movies is his monk buddy, whose name I don't know. Wong. Um, yeah, I guess the main one that he deals with, you know, the one that's kind of the... Yeah, his name the, is Wong, played by Ben yeah, Wong. Yeah, so I like him. I think he, you know, generally seals the show for the most part just because, you know, he's fun to watch. My favorite line in that movie was uh, fortify your minds. Yeah. When they're defending yep. Scarlet Witch, you must fortify your mind. That's right. Yeah, and then, you know, there was definitely some cool fight scenes. I mean, the scene where they come, you know, the, all the students are fighting and all those things and they're attacked the uh, uh, Carmitage, what's it called? The Comertage. Wherever it is, Comertage gets attacked. Um, so, I mean, that you know, I, I don't I mean, I saw there was some really cool stuff, but yeah, as a general rule, I don't think people care as much about Doctor Strange as they do uh, about. I think there are some people out there that care. I just think it's a very niche crowd. And, I agree. You know, particular character. I just, as I said in my podcast, there's probably a lot of people out there that would think that narcissism is all the same thing, and there are varying degrees of narcissism. But Tony Stark and Doctor Strange both display, um, you know, um, what's the characteristics of narcissism. But unlike, unlike Tony Stark, Doctor Strange's narcissism is repellent. Tony Stark's is somewhere you almost get enraptured in his character. You know, you know that he, at the end of the day, probably only gives a shit about himself but he's so affable with his narcissism whereas Doctor Strange is just a total turn off yeah. you don't want to be around that guy exactly. fucking jerk like totally obsessed and not in a cool way about himself just like uh you know oh you lost your hands and now you just don't give a shit about anything like that's really cool right yeah no he's definitely a total jerk I mean he's he's a real douchebag I mean you know, Tony's a douchebag, but like you said, in, in that kind of lovable, affable, smiley way where, you know, he's, yeah, he's not repellent. He, it's almost like his arrogance is a charm and, and it, it like sucks you in, whereas with Dr. Strange, it, it's definitely the other way around. He's definitely the kind of guy you're like, fuck this guy. I don't want nothing to do with this guy. He's just a dick. Like, 
So yeah, and I think that's probably part of it. I mean, I you know, and that to me, <clears throat> I don't know how familiar you are with the comic books, and I wouldn't call myself an expert at all, but I've read through Doctor Strange comic books over the years, and I think that's pretty true to to how you know to how he was originally written, and so I think that's that's cool that they've that they've does, kind of kept that. I can say beyond shadow of a doubt that I've never once in my almost 34 years of life ever picked up a Doctor Strange comic book. I picked up a comic book where Doctor Strange just popped up. <clears throat> and, you know, I like that. And like I was just I was just catching up, refreshing myself on Spider-Man No Way Home and he pops up in that movie, you know, he's at the end of the movie when Spider-Man's trying to cure all the bad guy, cure all that ass as they say in the movie. Doctor Strange just wants, he has a murder boner. He just comes back through a portal and he wants to kill all the villains. It's like, enough of this shit. You gave him a chance. That's cute, but they gotta die. Yeah. He's yeah, just... no, I mean, he's, he's much more cut and dry. He's much more... Um, well, that would point. have to be the attitude or the affect when you're a surgeon or you used to be a surgeon. You can't exactly. any wiggle room, you know, like, no, nah, we gotta cut this guy open and give him a pig heart. Can't think about this yeah. shit. Well, he definitely he's has a god complex. Oh, yeah. You know, I think anybody who, not... you know, does surgeries like that, you're going to end up getting an unhealthy dose of a god complex. Even then, I think he's even more above and beyond. I mean, I think that he's like that. You know, he's like, he, surgeons tend to have a big head and tend to have god complexes, but he's like, I think I'm the best of the best surgeons even. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he just... In his own head, he's just the greatest thing ever to medicine, to the world, to whatever. Um, and he really, truly, I think he truly believes that. And that everyone else is just kind of a little beneath him. So, And you get that feeling. I mean, he's, he's very condescending. He's very arrogant. He's very rude and abrasive in his tone and the way he deals with people. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's no surprise that he doesn't end up with Christine, you know. I mean, that that because he's a jerk, <laughs> you know. I'm surprised anybody loves him at all. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of surprising. He is kind of just a big old dick in the mud. Yeah, I mean the scene where he the scene where he loses his hands, like that driving scene, just is a perfect example of being a total douche. It's like raining outside. He's fucking. You know, in the first movie, it's raining outside. He's driving his fucking Porsche Carrera or whatever it is, fucking Lamborghini. I don't even know what it is. Some fucking sports car around fucking some mountain roads, you know, or on the on the opposite side, right on the cliff side. You know what I mean? It's just like, come on, dude. Like, and you don't expect to end up at the bottom of the fucking hill. Like, you know, just that arrogance to just you can do whatever you want, and he carries that through both films, and so it could definitely be a little bit of a turnoff. What I do think is very interesting is that I think they've done a great job at casting because Benedict Cumberbatch does that very well. I mean, he, you know, it's it's very it's very kind of um, I don't know if you watched the uh, Holmes, the Sherlock Holmes show that he did, or Sherlock. Sure. Uh, I'm sorry, say that again. I surely did not. Um, but you know Sherlock Holmes is that same kind of kind of arrogant and rubs people wrong and he's very good in that role as well. I don't know how much of that is actually him just being himself. Maybe he's a douche too. I don't know much about him. 
Um, but man, he's good. I mean, he's good as Doctor Strange. I mean, after seeing him in that role and reading the comic books and knowing a little bit about Doctor Strange, I think they cast him really well. And I can't think of anybody else that would play that role as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was good. I mean, I, you know, if we're gonna rate it, um, I don't know if we're at that. Well, point what yet, did you think of that big death scene in the middle of the movie? Uh, at the end of the second act, with uh, where Scarlet Witch killed all the Illuminati members. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was interesting. I, I, I thought the concept of the Illuminati was kind of interesting. I was laughing. I was at the movie. I saw it with my wife and son and um, his girlfriend, and I was sitting next to my son, and we kind of looked at each other and laughed a little bit when, the, <laughs> when it was the Illuminati. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, you know, it's it shows you how um, out there Wanda actually is, um, what she's how far, you know, the dark hole has taken over her and what she's willing to do to try to get what she wants. And um, it's a pretty brutal scene. And at the same time, I, I mean, I thought it was cool. I mean, I, you know, I'm all for death scenes and, you know, those kind of things. And I did find it kind of interesting that it was the Illuminati and that, you know, they brought that into it. And, you know, I don't, you know, I mean, that's clearly some sort of, you know, real life, you know, you people believe what they want to believe. I know a lot of people. No, that's uh, that's directly from comic books. I mean, the characters uh, were changed around. I do believe the original characters were Black Bolt, T'Challa, Professor X, Iron Man, Mister Fantastic, and Doctor Strange. But this is the sure. multiverse of madness, so you've got to mix it up. And uh, you know, Captain Carter, she did come from the West Disney Plus. And uh, no, I thought it was. There's a lot. But of I mean, clearly, that the idea of the Illuminati is a play off of you know the conspiracy theory. Yeah, the the, the real world, whatever. Right, cabal that runs everything and so on. I mean, that name is well known. When you say Illuminati, it rings. You know, you you know what it what what it brings to mind. So, and that was clearly the purpose of what they were doing. Yeah, I mean, I I thought it was cool when Charles. When Professor Xavier rolled, you know, into the shot and into the scene, and, oh, this is cool, you know. I mean, for the first time, we're kind of acknowledging that these guys live in the same universe. Like, you know, the X Men have been doing their thing, and the Avengers have been doing their thing, and it's like they're all in the same universe and they don't interact most of the time. And so, here's at least some sort of, you know, uh, well, interaction. Actually, for time because they were owned by different companies, you know. It took sure. Disney being able to buy out Fox for uh, for that to happen. And speaking, not to get off track, but speaking, you know, happened. You know, Morbius bombed at the cinemas, and it seems like every time that Sony makes a Spider-Man related movie without Marvel's help, they bomb. And so, personally, even though no one asked, I'm just gonna sit back and enjoy them continuously making bombs because that'll mean eventually Disney will just have to buy Sony Pictures and get Spider-Man back. Um, but yeah, back to what you were saying. So it was a little sidetrack. Um, yeah, now of course, you know, my, my weed-addled weed brain for Oh, we were talking was... about the Illuminati and yeah I mean, I, oh yeah and the, the the bridging of the you know the idea that we saw charles xavier an x-men character in a, an actual marvel movie 
what a novel idea. Yeah, you know, these guys obviously share the same universe and the fact that, that just because they're, oh, I understand in the real world why they don't have a cross-pollination, but, you know, it, it is, you know they, they do exist in the same Marvel world and, and they the universe and they should have some sort of at least knowledge of each other. So I thought that was kind of cool to see Charles and Xavier with those guys and uh, kind of introduce the X-Men to the Marvel universe. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought this movie hit on a couple things. I thought that that was a cool scene. Um, you know, I, again, I, I like Wanda, and I thought that she did a pretty good, although her motivation, I think, is a little flimsy and a little just kind of one-dimensional. At the same time, I can see, you know, mom, I could see a mother getting that, you know, that insanely, you know, whatever, along with the help. It's not like it's just Wanda. I mean, the Darkhold has, you know, uh, has a lot to do with why she's acting the way she is, and so, um, <clears throat> so yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, for the most part, um, I think that the movie was okay. I mean, I think it was better than the first one. Um, I, you know, it's not as good as a lot of the other Marvel movies, um, but I don't, you know, like you said, I think there are some people that care, but it's such a niche market that. I think that Marvel cares about what they're putting out with Doctor Strange. I just think people don't care enough to see it in flocks like they do an Iron Man or a, you know, a Captain America or a, those are the, you know, those are the, those are the guys, a, a Spider-Man or a Hulk, you know, those are the guys, those are the Avengers they want to see. And so, I, you know, it's, <clears throat> it's, um, it's interesting to see when they do this, you know, these kind of offshoots and see, what they produce. I assume we're going to get another Doctor Strange movie. At least the end felt like it. Um, so I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah. Uh, I'll be more pleased if he just randomly pops up in someone else's thing for a couple minutes versus sitting through a two hour solo edition of his thing. And that's another thing that kind of irritated me about this movie. Is yeah, they for like what a minute and some change, they go through a bunch of different universes. They call the multiverse of madness. You really only get like three different. I counted it was about three or four different places that they actually stuck around for more than a couple minutes in, and the right. rest like you're probably gonna have to get out there with a really slow slow motion to be able to decipher what universes. He traveled through with America uh, right. when it comes on Blu-ray. And that was another thing that made me laugh is any time just because of the character's name, you know. Yeah. Uh, hey, is it, how's America doing? Is she okay? Like, fuck, no, America's not doing good at all. It's fucking pandemic ravage. Oh, you're, you're talking about the character, not, not the real world. Uh, I got gotcha. you. America Chavez, not America... The so so called great. It was uh, funny for me personally. I was like, "Fuck no, America is not doing good at all. Very bad." Very. Yeah, I thought that was. I thought it was funny too. And it was a good way to get in a couple puns, you know, a couple, you know, little witty whatevers. Um, I thought I like she was good. Uh, one thing I was going to say though is, uh, like always, anytime someone with a homosexual background appears on a TV screen, it's too much for certain people. You know, Alan, it was too much for China. Uh, 
Beast 3 came out, did you know that they had them edit out any scenes of homosexuality and Fantastic Beasts, Alan? And you know how long that runtime uh, that they edited that timeout came out to be? I do not. No more than like a minute or two, which begs yeah, the question. The real question is if you're bragging about inclusivity and then to appease another country, you edit the time down and the runtime of editing for anything with a with any air quotes gay activity going on in it only accumulates to about a minute or two. Are you truly being inclusive or are you just patting yourself on the back while bullshitting people? Yes. And so, you know, that is another, sorry, it's another sidetrack, but it kind of connects back to America Chavez that it's not, you don't really get that in the movie. You wouldn't know that America Chavez was a gay woman unless you read the comic books. The only thing you know about any kind of sexuality is her two mothers. But still, there was an outcry. And the, the I, I don't want to butcher the actress's name who plays America but yeah, there was a bunch of hatred towards her online for that. I don't really think it's fair. And it's really, I don't know how you feel about this, Alan, but I don't think that you really, and it doesn't need to, takes away from anything, any special feeling we need to call something out, whether it's announcers at WrestleMania announcing that Sasha Banks versus. Bianca Belair and the main event is special because they're two black women. Anytime you call something like that out, or hey, this is special because there's there's the he's the first gay basketball player to win a championship, you make it less special when you have to announce it. People who are watching and listening, watching with their eyes and listening with their ears, know what the fuck is going on. Uh I think it's I mean not necessarily like you need it, like, hey, show me some, some, you know, some gay people doing, loving each other the same way that straight people are or nothing like that. But I think that it's, you're, it just, it becomes transparent what your, your fucking goal is. Hey, we got this character that represents the LGBTQ. I, I don't know all, I'm not trying to mock any of the, that community. I don't know all the letters, you know, the, the gay community and someone who represents of of life and uh then they do absolutely nothing with the character but you still at the end of the day the sad thing is you still have all these straight up homophobes getting mad about somebody that when you really think what is so different from okay the only difference is that it's someone of the same sex loving someone of the same sex but at the end of the day we're all still human beings isn't you know love still just love for somebody? While I've grown grown a little ranty on this, it's to draw it back. It just was. It's frustrating. <clears throat> you have all these you know woke people, whatever the fuck you want to call them. It just I, I feel bad for the actress. I suppose is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I didn't know that she was a. Uh... A lesbian, um, but um, well, in the yeah, comic I mean, book, I'm not sure if the actress herself is gay, but in the comic books, America Chavez is a lesbian woman, right? Um, of which I was unfamiliar, so I, I maybe I, I, I'm not overly, 
you know, I guess I, whatever, I was unfamiliar with that aspect of her character, even in the comic books. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I have an issue with any time they do that kind of thing, you know, oh, it's special because they're two black women or, or, you know, when they say, oh, so-and-so's the best female actress or so-and-so's the best black female actress or the best, the best black male actor. It's like, no, they're just good actors or actresses. Like, why do you have to preface it by their race or their sex or, or any of that stuff? I mean, you don't generally say, oh, George Clooney's a great white actor. I mean, to be fair, he's a terrible actor, but whoever you want to talk about, you don't, you don't, you don't hear them classify them as a great white actor. You know, I mean, it's not. And so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I just, I, I never liked that. And I don't like the, you know, there was this, <clears throat> There's a bumper sticker that I saw in a car one time and it always stuck in my head. And I think it's very true. I think, it's, it, it, you know, it says that uh, <clears throat> women that aspire to be men lack ambition. And I think that to a certain extent, that's true. Like, you don't, you, your goal isn't to just be a man or to reach male heights. Like, your goal is to be the best person you can be or the best it doesn't matter what your gender is or your sex is per se or your color, you know, you just want to be known as the best at what you can do. It doesn't know what you do. It doesn't matter um, about any of those other things. They do that kind of stuff all the time. So yeah, I always have an issue with that. I feel like it definitely lessens it. It's like, oh, they're the best so-and-so out there, you know, or they're the best no, they're just really good. They're just a really good actor. You know, you don't have to preface it by, it's like saying, oh, the, the black commentator is really, oh, that black guy is really articulate or or whatever. I mean, that's, you know, all those things. It's, it's just a way to <clears throat> separate people more and to try to classify people when you don't need to. I mean, it's just people are people and they're either this or that, but they don't have to be described by their gender or their race or you know, the ability to speak articulately or uh, the or the ability to not, you know. Uh, the, the, the police arrested a black guy who was very inarticulate means he was a ghetto dude. That's like, you know, that's like the under, the under, the subwriting there that's between the lines, you know, or, or yeah, you know, we like Obama because he's articulate. Oh, that means he's a smart black guy. You know what I mean? Like, that means he's a safe, smart black guy. Like, and so, yeah, I mean, all that shit, it's, it's, it's all racism in a subversive way, in a passive-aggressive way, or sexism in a passive-aggressive way, and I don't like any of it. Well, well put. Yeah, you know, I was just reading something the other day about the first <laughs> first uh, something about a trans actor for a Marvel movie, and I was looking at it, and uh, I'm just like you. You better fucking do something. Don't just say shit. Like, well, look, right. you know, we uh, we got two women kissing at the end of Star Wars, so we have gay people in Star Wars. Like you, that that was a very quick pan, and you were going that scene out, you know, to appease other countries. It, it just people can tell whether you're being genuine or you're not being genuine. No doubt. Um, and I feel like, I, I don't know. The world is so weird right now. We're not handling things the way we should be handling. You can't just cart something out. Look, 
we're we're letting black people do things. So that's cool, right? Like, yeah, you know, when you say it like that, it's not very cool. It makes you sound like you're doing it begrudgingly instead no, of just, no. you know, we should all just be able to accept each other for who we are. Unless you're fucking racist, then I'm sorry. The only people that accept you are racists. And that's just how it is because, you know, no one wants to hang out who on their head, on their shoulders, with someone who hates people because of how they look on the outside. But other than that, we should all be able to love each other and accept each other. Unfortunately, we still, you know, it's not as as it was, as I remember hearing shit in the 90s with, you know, all the panic over homosexuality. We're getting to some weird places, and it's definitely unfortunate that we're getting to, or getting back to a weird place with the way that we treat are women in this world and in this country, which we should have more reverence and respect for than we seemingly do for a lot of us men, not me or you, Alan, but a lot of us men out there seem to have some weird uh, ideologies about how women should or shouldn't be, which uh, honestly, you know, I'll take this time, use this platform to say this as a man, myself or any other man, we have nothing business telling women anything revolving their fucking bodies, anything down to even their fucking haircuts. We have no fucking business. Those are people. And we're just, uh, we need to do better. But to drop back to the movie, back to a less political standpoint, I just want to see properties. You shouldn't have to announce that you're doing shit. We, I, I think, you know, most of us in this goes for whether it's America Chavez or Dumbledore and Grindelwald. I think, you know, most people have an idea, you know, and it, it, I said that in the last podcast. I was disappointed. You know, Dumbledore, whether he, he loved a man or he loved a woman, that was one of the, if not the most powerful wizards in that universe. <clears throat> I'd like to see what that guy, like what the guy looked like when he was vulnerable and in love with somebody. I was a little disappointed that you see Dumbledore in love. You know, we've only known Dumbledore as the very calculated and compartmentalizing headmaster of Hogwarts and, like, probably someone that was only dwarfed in greatness by Merlin because he totally exists in that, that world. And you don't get to see that character in love, whether it's a man or a woman, you don't get to see a person that, for me, I, I grew up with this character, you know? So I know he's not real, but he's still the place in my heart is someone who, you know, we all have those literary characters that we are fond of when we grew up with or whatever. And a lot of people are going to have American Chavez in in the same vein. It's just disappointing. You know, it just, it's weird. It's like dragging out a horse. I'm like, we got a horse. Like, okay, cool. Are you going to let people ride it? No, no. Isn't it just interesting that we have this horse here? And we totally got that horse. You know, we said, bring a horse out. We brought the horse out. Like, okay, but you're not going to let anybody do anything with the horse? No, no, just want you guys to acknowledge how super cool it is that we got this horse. That's what it feels like to do this shit. It's like, a okay, you know, either you're going to jump in with both, with with, jump in head first, or just sit and and catch a tan. Stop posturing. Yeah, no, they have to. What is posturing and pan? That's why they make it such a big deal. I mean, that's that's the whole reason that WWE makes it a big deal about how 
oh, it's two black women in the main event, or, you know, we have a trans actor in this movie, or so and so and so, because they want to make it known that they're, we're special because we're doing something different. We're, no, I think the know, term is we're woke. I think that's still the term. Sure. You know, whatever the case may be, we're woke and we're doing something that's nobody else is doing and we're showing the real life. And But you're, you're really only doing it because it's, you're doing it to pander to, to, to those people and say, look, we're doing it, as opposed to just doing it in a natural flow, not making a big deal out of it, just letting a trans woman like Nyla Rose just wrestle and do her thing. She doesn't have to be a trans athlete. She's just an athlete. Like, it doesn't matter, you know, and just let it go. And you don't have to make a big deal about AEW as a first trans woman, you know, wrestler or whatever. So what? I mean, it's, it's, it's all to do it to, to try to make yourself, your company, your movie, your brand, your whatever look like you're more woke than the next person aggressive or more whatever. And it's, it's just, it's poor pandering. I mean, if you really care, you just do it to do it. And it's not a big deal. You know, if you're a director, you cast whoever is the best fucking for the role, whether they're, you know, uh, gay, straight, trans, whatever the case may be, and you move on and you don't make a big deal about it. You don't, you know, you just do what you do, you know, and that's it. That's how it should be. Um, but no, I mean, everyone has to be known as the, the movie that has the gay actor or, you know, two men kissing or the trans AEW has the, the trans wrestler or whatever it is. They have to make a big deal about it because they want that credit for doing it. It's not just an altruistic, let's try to make people feel comfortable and just be inclusive. And they have to get credit for it as well. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And it's... Uh irritating no doubt you want to give this uh a yeah, I'll give it a, i'm gonna give it three and a half puffs out of four i really i'm gonna give it three puffs out of four i'm sorry i was thinking three and a half out of five out of four puffs i'm gonna give it three out of four i thought it was a solid movie i enjoyed it i you know <clears throat> for what it is i think it hits the mark i just think isn't very exciting. I, I just think people don't the, the mainstream people don't care about Doctor Strange. I don't think that his little what he's going through really registers or moves the needle for most superhero or Marvel fans. Um, so even though I think it's good for what it is, I just think it's it's still kind of off to the side and not not um it's just not on the level with some of the other stuff, for sure. I'm going to give it two and a half puffs. It was only a couple uh, different universes of madness. It wasn't a multiverse. Uh, I don't know. be interesting. Well, I guess after the, uh, the first credit scene with Clea, they're going to go back to deal with make another bargain with Dormammu. Uh, I feel like they did better than they should have for the issues that they faced, but I also feel like they could have done better with what they had promised. You know, it was Marvel's first borderline horrific movie. There was a lot of, you know, up to date. This is like the most violent 
of the Marvel movies. I definitely, if I had, I have small children, I wouldn't take them to this. You know, this is not a movie for children to go see. Um, but you know, it gets a lower rating than you gave it because I'm just not that big of a fan of Stephen Strange. You know, I am an asshole myself, but I'm not his brand asshole. Uh. Yeah, I, I was reading an article that Benedict Cumberbatch said that he's going to be taking a break from Doctor Strange. So who knows how long it'll be before we see Stephen Strange again. But uh, if I get my way, it'll just be a bunch of different cameos instead of his own movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, but- I, you know, I, I, I like Marvel. I like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I do think that they stretch a little bit sometimes. I mean, I don't. I definitely don't need two Doctor Strange movies. I don't need a third Doctor Strange movie. You know, him in him in the Avengers, him popping up in somebody else's film is good enough. I mean, I understand Marvel wants to make money and they whatever, it's all a money grab. I get it. Anytime they can, you know, put people in the seats to see their stuff, they're gonna try to do that. But yeah, I mean I, I could live without another Doctor Strange movie. I could live without these two Doctor Strange movies have been perfectly fine. That doesn't mean that they're terrible and I don't like them. I just, they're just not really needed. I mean, he's such a peripheral character, and I think you're right. I think he's best when he's just kind of a, an ensemble member of the Avengers cast and somebody else's, you know, either an Avengers ensemble movie or where he makes a cameo in somebody else's movie, like the Spider Man movie or whatever. Absolutely. You know, let's uh, move on to the news, but keep it in the same vein of uh, Marvel and Disney. Alan, I don't know if you heard the news. You know, you are the so-called Mr. and Tim Beyond. But uh, Disney's new Daredevil series will reportedly be a continuation of the Netflix Daredevil uh, TV shows. Uh, While the initial news did not indicate whether the new series would serve as a fresh reboot of the property or a continuation of what had come before, which kind of negates the title. Uh, THR sources describe Disney Plus's Daredevil as the first of the Netflix Marvel shows to get a new but continued series. This would seemingly indicate that not only can fans expect Cox and D'Onofrio to reprise their respective roles, but it could also potentially it could also potentially look to continue the main or the many stories story threads left open at the conclusion of Daredevil season three. It also potentially raises questions about the possibility of any of the other Marvel Netflix shows getting similar treatments, such as The Punisher and Jessica Jones. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see what they end up doing with it. You know, I mean, if they do it okay and it comes off, you know, as what I would think is as a, a fairly seamless transition from the Netflix Daredevil to the Disney Daredevil, then I'm all for it. I mean, the 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 Netflix Daredevil is pretty good. I mean, I, you know, it's one of the better, um, I think it's one of the better Netflix um, superhero shows they did. Um, I like the guy that plays um, Daredevil and uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is great as Kingpin. Um, uh, you know, I, <clears throat> I don't necessarily, I'll be surprised if it's you know, if it looks the same, it feels the same, great. If it doesn't, then it'll have to be judged on its own, especially if they're calling it a continuance. And I'll be interested to see what they do with this to see how they play off the other ones. I mean, I, you know, 
Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, the Punisher, um, a Monkey Fist, Iron, whatever it was, Iron Fist, Monkey Fight. I don't even know what it right. was. But, right. Not um, Monkey Fist, Iron Fist. Iron Fist, you know, um, they're all okay. I mean, I didn't think any of them was great. I think Daredevil's probably the best of the bunch. Um, and so, I mean, you know, I always like the Matt Murdock Daredevil character. I think Daredevil's an interesting character um, just in general. Uh, uh, he always kind of moves the needle for me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they do. And again, if they do it well and it it doesn't you know, it's not like, oh, we watched the Netflix version and now we're watching a Disney version. Um, then, you know, it could be done well. I mean, then, then it could be successful, I guess. Um, and, and I would, you know, wouldn't mind seeing some of the other properties, I guess, expanded as well. Um, but to be fair, <clears throat> I don't, I, you know, I finished Daredevil, but I think that's the only one. I mean, I didn't finish Jessica Jones. I never finished Luke Cage. I saw the first two episodes of Iron Fist. You know, I, Punisher, I don't, know that I even saw an episode of Punisher. So, um, I, you know, I like those those type of characters and shows and stuff, but I, I think that, that some of the Netflix stuff left me a little dry in general, <coughs> so I just didn't get overly into it. Um, I thought Jessica Jones was good, and I like some of the Luke Cage stuff, but overall, it's... there. You know, the problem is, is that it, there's so much stuff out there, whether it's superheroes, whether it's whatever it is, and and you know, I, between work and life and other things, I'm so it's hard to find time for everything, and a lot of that stuff falls to the wayside. Even though I want to watch it, and just don't get to it, you know. And so, I don't know. I mean, like I said, we'll see if they can make it a pretty seamless transition from the Netflix, you know, Daredevil to the Disney Daredevil. I'll check it out. Um, either way, I'll check it out to see what it is. And if it's good, you know, then I'm sure there'll be room for some of these other properties in the same treatment. But if it's bad, I don't want to see the, the other, you know, I don't want to see the other Netflix stuff that I think is decent ruined. I mean, I, you know, I thought Luke Cage was, was good and, and Jessica Jones is pretty good. I mean, I don't want to see those ruined by Disney just to do stuff. Um, so I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see, I guess. The jury's still out. The jury definitely is still out. And uh, on to the next piece of news, which a jury for me will definitely be out on. Uh, according, again, to THR, Warner Brothers is now developing a new Ocean's Eleven film, but not a sequel to Ocean's Eight. Robbie, uh, Margot Robbie is set to star and produce in a new movie in the Ocean's Eleven franchise with Austin Powers franchise director Jay Roach at the helm. Robbie previously worked with Roach on the 2019 film Bombshell. The screenplay is being written by Carrie Solomon, and while plot details remain under wraps, reports say the film is a period piece set in Europe in the 60s, and that production is eyeing a spring 2023 start. I'm so confused. They're doing uh, Margot Robbie, who plays uh, Harley Quinn. Right. It's doing a uh they're doing a uh oceans 11 prequel right no i mean i, I mean i heard what you said i guess i'm just confused like so 
Ocean's Eleven is not the original. You know, there's a, an original yeah. Paul Muni. The one with the Rat Pack and Dean Martin. But... Right, exactly. And Paul Muni played the main character, the, the Daniel Ocean character. Um, <clears throat> and, I, you know, that's from the 60s or the late 50s. I, I mean, I'm not sure if this is supposed to be more of a takeoff of that or like a, a redo of that. I mean, I don't... It's interesting. I mean, I don't... Without sound like an asshole, it sounds like another one of those scenarios where they're like, let's let's do it, but with a female. I mean, are we supposed to now see... I mean, are we supposed to think that... I mean, it's not going to be... I mean, Ocean's Eleven takes place in, what, 2000, 2010? Yeah, and more modern time. Yeah, Danny Ocean's, Danny Ocean's, what, 45, 50? I mean, are we supposed to think that... Who knows how old George Clooney is? And, you know, he could be... But I mean, we are we, are we going to see him as a ten year old kid now? Is that the idea? You, or is it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if we go back to the '60s, what are we doing? Like, is there going to be any connection to the original film or to the second to the to the George Clooney version to the film or what? Or is it a connection to the original, you know, Rat Pack version well, of the I film? I don't know. In the article, the details are scarce. Yeah. Who knows uh, what? It just seems like you know that's. That's the way of uh, the way that things go nowadays. Like companies, you know, productions in Hollywood, they're they don't want to create new shit. They want to take their IPs and then kind of whore them out for you know HBO Max or or whatever the fucking you know streaming sure. is. Who knows? You know, I I'm still a little burned by what I was promised with Ocean's Eight. That I did not get, you know. I agree. I don't I know agree. how a lot of other people feel, but I love Sandra Bullock. I think if she's given the right, the right material, the right script and shit, she does good movies. And she's just, in my opinion, she's a very nice woman to look at. But uh, Ocean's Eight was I, I felt very betrayed by what I didn't get, which I was promised and I did not get at all. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, you know, I Ocean's Eleven, the George Clooney, Brad Pitt version, is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it, you know, it's it's in my list of top five or top ten movies of all time. I thought Ocean's Twelve and Ocean's Thirteen were okay. I'm not a huge fan of the original Rat Pack, um, <clears throat> um, what you call it, um, version. Um, I thought Ocean's Eight was just a, a, a total female version of Ocean's Eleven. I mean, I thought they just basically took Ocean's Eleven and, and put females in the roles, and I didn't like it. I thought they could have done so much more with it. Um, so, so much I was more disappointed. Did do with it? They, it was just kind of lazy and uninspired. No doubt. So I was definitely disappointed in that. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'll probably watch it. I mean, I, to see what it is. Um, but as of now, you know, like you said, the details are kind of scarce, and I'm not totally sure what to expect. So I, it's hard to really comment. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll probably check it out just out of curiosity. Um, but yeah, I mean, if they fuck up what I think is one of my favorite movies, you know, the George Clooney Ocean's Eleven, um, I'm not going to be happy about that. I don't think a lot of people will be happy about it. But uh, to move on, to the last piece of news before we get out of here and uh, it's 
I think it's again THR. Yeah, the Hollywood Reporter has brought word that Marvel has signed a massive 20 year deal with Genius Brands International and POW Entertainment's joint venture, Stanley Universe, to license the likeness of Lee in future films and TV productions, as well as Disney theme parks, merchandising, and more. Then this new deal does open the door for Stanley's MCU cameos to return in the future with the use of CGI and old footage, though inside sources note that decision that decision has yet to be made by the studios involved. Genius Brands CEO and Chairman Andy Hayward wrote about the deal in the following statement. It really ensures that Stan, through digital technology and archival footage and other forms, will live in the most important venue, the Marvel movies and Disney theme parks. It's a broad deal. And uh, I think, you know, any of us who know anything about these Marvel movies or comics, whatnot, we all know that we lost Stan Lee, uh, I think, last year. It's been quite a while since Stan's passing. And, uh, Alan, you probably don't know the deal with Stan Lee and his behind-the-scenes drama, but I do know. And uh, towards the end of his uh, life, he lived to almost be 100 uh, his manager took advantage of him and got him to sign all kinds of shady shit, you know, and this this deal with Power Entertainment owning his likeness and whatnot, which I don't really get how that to me, that's basically some some avenue to slavery. Owning someone else's likeness is just one of the, the most disgusting things you can ever try to commit to doing. But yeah, no, I'm not a this is again one of those things where it's like okay marvel i'm not really in your corner you know i don't know how this makes you feel alan but this news to me is anything but joyous let the man fucking rest yeah i agree i mean i think it's a you know i mean again it's one of those it feels like a cheap publicity stunt it feels like oh let's you know we gotta like we always talk about you know the hollywood money grab you can get a, a cameo of Stan Lee, whether he's alive or dead. It, it you know, people want to see that and people will pay to see that. And it's a, you know, it helps us with whatever, whatever authenticity, whatever they think they're doing with it, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean it's just a way to further ride the guy's coattails, you know, and uh, to further just make money off of someone that's already passed away. Just let the guy rest in peace. Let him move on. I don't need to see any more CGI-generated Stanley cameo appearances or a hologram of Stanley at the next Comic Con signing autographs. I'm not, you know, give me a fucking break. Like, you know, all that shit is. It just, you know, it's fine. You, you know, we all know who Stanley is. We all, you can acknowledge him. You know, you can say at the end of every Marvel movie, you know, this is dedicated to Stanley. Whatever you want to do. But I definitely don't need to see CGI cameos in future films. I don't need to see him continue to get exploited or, you know, his likeness to continue to get exploited. And yeah, you're right. I mean, it's what you, how do you own my fucking likeness? Like, first of all, I'm dead. Secondly, like, even if I'm not, like, what the fuck? Like, you can't own my likeness. Like, I mean, you can, obviously, but at the same time, like, just the concept is, is heinous and hideous and it's you know another one of those things that hollywood does it's just terrible and i just yeah i mean 
I, you know. <laughs> it's the kind of shit you hear about that makes you think that if you ever sign a contract, one, you read it cover to cover, and two, you make sure shit like, you know, you cannot use my likeness to digitally recreate me or 3D, you know, just makes you shit you never thought you would have to think about. It makes you think about that shit. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole idea of creating people posthumously through CGI and holographic, you know, technology is bizarre. I mean, they did that at WrestleMania what, last year, the year before, with the Paul Bearer and the Undertaker. Like, you know, the Undertaker raised the urn to Paul Bearer, and all of a sudden his CGI holographic image came out. Like, what the fuck? Like, this is it's weird. Like, just knock it off. Like, <laughs> you know, so, and I feel the same way about Stanley, and, you know, I, you know, Stanley later in life, like you said, I do know a little bit about how he was kind of abused and so on and so forth. At the same time, I also know that everything with Stanley wasn't always just, you know, uh, sugar coated, you know, happy land either. I, you know, as I understand it, he's gotten accused of being, you know, kind of, uh, I don't want to say racist, but, you know, one toned in some of his characters. There's not a lot of ethnic diversity in Stanley's comic books and those kind of things. And so, um, you know, and so, you know, it is what it is. I mean, you just guy who was a good drawer of, you know, an excellent artist and a creative visionary, you know, it's not like he's our problem, you know, <clears throat> we always put these people on pedestals and do these things to them that it's just not necessary. They're just people, you know, yeah, they're talented people, but they're just people. Um, and, you know, as a result, then it results in doing perverse stuff like having, you know, CGI or holographic versions of these people posthumously to, you know, uh, satisfy, you know, our desire to see them again or, you know, the money grab that they can get from producing it, whatever it is, you know, it's disgusting. So, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm definitely not for it. I mean, it's bizarre, especially think like, Nobody's going to be, I, I just don't see a Stan Lee cameo, cameo being the driving force of, you know, well, that Wolverine movie would have been better if we could have got Stan in there. We would have sold a couple more. T I just don't see people <clears throat> as going to be like, well, I wasn't going to go see that new, uh, new Warriors movie that Marvel's putting out. But I heard they got a Stan Lee cameo in there, and I can't miss that. That's, you know, the bread and butter, the backbone. It just it doesn't right. make sense. Like power entertainment and the scummy people that they are, you know, it makes sense to them that they I, I just again I don't understand how you get into a situation where like, well, we can't give you any of his assets, but we can sell you his likeness. But right. I don't understand how a conversation gets to that point. Like, look, you're gonna sign your likeness rights over, you know, or we're gonna kill you. Like I don't I don't get how I don't understand, but it's 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 a scummy deal all the way around. I ju I just can't see how anybody, you know. But then again, it's it's kind of it kind of this this story and the situation Stanley like reminds me. I don't know if you know the situation of Bob Ross and how he basically. I mean, Bob Ross has passed away, but you really shouldn't buy any Bob Ross merchandise because it doesn't go to his son. It doesn't go to his family. It goes to the people that own the Bob Ross, uh, the the Bob Ross name. I guess the people right. got tricked when he was very much still alive and whatnot. And it's just like, yeah, he got tricked out of you know being able to make any kind of monetary compensation off of his own work or likeness. 
And it's just like they're they're still putting out shirts and shit of Bob Ross. And for my a minute, I would you know maybe purchase one or two. But now that I know that some shady corporation tricked this poor man out of you know him making monetary gains off his no name or his future generations off of their family name, it's just like man, <laughs> so shady. There's some slimy fucking people out there. Definitely. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, we want to say thank you. This is the season finale. We'll be taking a break. I don't know. Jurassic, the new Jurassic World is coming out. Uh, actually, on my birthday, I'm going to go see a, 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 a pre-screening on my birthday. So I might hit you with a surprise, you know, extra episode in this season but the way that i'm looking at it alan this is the end of season four and season five will pick up in july well we're where we will have the first episode of the video version of the podcast on youtube perfect sounds like a plan to me well ladies and gentlemen thank you as always for sticking around um it's been almost four year. Here's to 14 more. And Alan, you want to take him out? Uh, in the immortal words of Ron Burgundy, as always, keep it classy. Stuff it down with a lot of brown, and we'll catch you on the next episode. All right. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. <laughs>